Hi! Hey, welcome to the Cordial Catholic Podcast. A podcast for non-Catholics, new Catholics, those looking to dig deeper into the Catholic faith. I'm Keith Little, an evangelical convert to Catholicism, and this podcast is built around one particular purpose. It began for me when a Protestant pastor I was working for asked me the question, what's more important, the Bible or tradition? Well, that question kind of shook my world up and led me on a deep dive into the history of my faith, history of Christianity, history of the Bible, the canon of the Bible, what got in, what was left out, what happened to the Reformation, and beyond. And it was then in that deep study of church history and theology that I encountered for the first time the Catholic Church. It looms large in church history, and there it was. And for the first time, began reading from Catholic sources, from actual Catholic teachers and teachings for the very first time, and realized then that what I thought I knew with the Catholic faith was based in large part on misinformation, and more often than not, on simple misunderstandings. Well, this podcast serves to fill in that same gap, the gap between what do you think Catholics believe and, and practice and do and live like, and what the Catholic faith is actually all about. No misinformation here. And this week, I am joined by, well, somebody who has an awesome Catholic journey, author, illustrator, Isabella Shashinska, who talks about her journey of raised Catholic, went into the New Age movement and into atheism, and then was drawn back into the Catholic faith through truth, beauty, and goodness, and works today as a Catholic children's author and illustrator. It's a beautiful faith journey that touches on all kinds of things, on, on the dark forces at work in, in media, in, in film, in, in, in the arts, and in the beauty of those things on the flip side, in those same places, in, in, in nature, in architecture, in art, in music, in those kinds of things that, that draw you into the Catholic faith out of those kind of dark places. It's a fantastic journey. She's a wonderful storyteller with awesome insights in this area. I think you'll love it. I hope that you do. These conversations are brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash cordialcatholic and our one-time sponsors at paypal.me slash cordialcatholic. You guys are the ones that help this show to keep going and growing week after week. It's not my full-time job. It's harder and harder sometimes to get down here and find the time and resources to do this. So thank you for your support. It makes it possible. And thank you for your prayers. Thank you for listening. If you want to help support the show financially, those links are in the show notes. And hey, whoever you are, wherever you're listening from, if you can just pray for us too, that goes an awful long way as well, of course. And thanks for listening and your support. And hey, now, without any further ado, my fantastic conversation with Isabella Shashinska on, you know, truth beauty and her journey out of atheism into the arms of the Catholic Church as a children's author, illustrator. It's a fantastic story. Hopefully you enjoy this. I think you will. Please listen and enjoy. Hey friends, welcome to the show. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. If you are listening on podcasts, on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, please leave a rating and a review on those platforms. And thanks for listening there. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to this channel. Hit the bell notification for new videos each and every week. And please give us a thumbs up on this video. And thank you for watching. My guest this week is Isabella Shashinska. I am sure I butchered her name, Isabella, and I'm sorry my Polish relatives are rolling in their graves right now as we speak, but she is, in fact, a fantastic author and illustrator. A brand new book out from Ascension, The Little Donkey and God's Big Plan. It's wonderful, Ascension Kids. And she has a fantastic story to tell us today. Uh, her amazing conversion from atheism into the Catholic faith, and that's Catherine's children's author. It's amazing. Thank you, uh, Isabella, for thank you for suffering our tech problems, my my horrible introduction skills, uh, and but thank you, nonetheless, for, for being here today. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Keith. <laughs> I don't know that I ever butchered uh, introductions so poorly as I have uh, this time. So thank you. I'm glad that you're a part of that with me this week. Listen, th this book, uh, The Little Donkey and God's Big Plan, it's fantastic. I want to say more about it uh, in a little bit because I want to hear your story and get, get that underway because it's a, something a fantastic uh, kind of story. But what I love about this story, and I'll, I'll just say this first of all, and then we can get into that, 
is that there's an ancient tradition of reading the Bible and putting yourself in those places, in those stories, and looking around, you know, asking questions of, of the scene, taking it all in, these kinds of things. I never would have imagined taking the place of the donkey in the story and what, you know, and, and living out that the, the donkey's point of view from a beautiful, you know, biblical narrative. So kudos on bringing the donkey to life. Like that's, that's wonderful. It's, just, it's a wonderful book, wonderful message, great story. So thank you for bringing that to us. Thank you for creating that and putting it out there. It's wonderful. Thank you so much, Keith. I uh, there, There's been a few stories, uh, children's stories done about the little donkey. So I don't want to take credit for, <laughs> you know, for, for thinking that I'm original. But where my story differs a little bit is... Um, that uh, as I was reading the Bible, these two little lines, or even one line, depending on which gospel you're reading, uh, that mentions a little donkey. And I was just so taken that this little donkey doing what yeah, he was yeah. created to yeah, do yeah, yeah. ended up in an immortal, immortalized, basically. Yes. Um, and, and that just touched me. Yeah, yeah. Isn't, isn't that amazing? Because you, you, of course it is. That donkey forever. That's amazing. I, I love that. That's wonderful. Okay, we'll get back to that in a bit, I think. But I want to, first of all, kind of get out of the way and give you a chance to talk about, you know, how you got there, because it's a pretty remarkable story, I think, from, uh, as you said, a, you know, atheism to being a Catholic children's author with these awesome messages to share with uh, you know, Catholic kids and families. So I don't know where you want to begin. You can go back as far as you want to go back. We'll unwind your story. I'm excited to, to hear it. You know, I'll jump in along the way when it makes sense, ask some questions, but I'll get out of the way to start with and and let you kind of unpack, you know, where you want to begin your your journey for us. Sure. It's going to be a long one. (laughs) Um, I'll do my, I'll do my best to condense it uh, into something enjoyable for people. But um, I was born Catholic. I'm Polish. So I, I was born into the faith. My grandmother and my grandparents were very faithful. Um, but my, my parents, we, they didn't practice. Uh, my father was an atheist, but he was a cultural Catholic. So yeah. he, he loved the culture, but he wasn't able to practice maybe as, as, as he wanted to, just didn't click for him. My mother is very uh, faithful, a very faithful Christian. But she also wasn't able to um, to to comprehend everything in the Catholic faith. So I and my brother were raised not understanding the faith very well, even though we went to a Catholic church. And only years, like decades later, did I understand why I didn't appreciate the faith. Um, and so, you know, when you don't appreciate something, you you don't value it. When you don't understand it, you don't value it. Um, and so I I strayed a little bit um, and I ended up in, I discovered the new atheist movement in my late 20s. And it was, I, I just felt like I discovered, I hate to put it this way, but like a holy grail of knowledge. It just hit me. It felt like I all of a sudden was getting answers that I I didn't get anywhere else. And all it was, in looking in retrospect, it just stimulated a different part of my brain. That's all it did. And, you know, as young people, you want to be fed. You're hungry. And I felt like I was being fed. And for five years, I walked down that path. And um, it it brought me to what I can only describe as a black hole. It there was just nothing there, and the the determining or the 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 the, the point that that really affected me was coming across hard determinism, where atheists started talking about there's no free will, and that just sat so wrong with me. I just couldn't, I couldn't digest it, and so slowly I started kind of asking questions. And in the meantime, I had a lot of conversations with my mom because my mom, you know, even though she wasn't uh, a devout Catholic, she was still very faithful and she, she prayed a lot for me. We had a lot of discussions, but maybe her conversations primed me for what happened next. Um, in 2014, uh, I, I went to California. I drove from Toronto with a team to California. And if anyone's taken that drive, they know that it starts very boring and it ends spectacular. Uh, And the moment that atheist me drove into Arizona, five minutes later, I was a full-blown believer. (laughs) 
I believed in God, basically. I Maybe I wasn't Catholic. I was barely Christian, but I just, an overwhelming conviction that there's just no way this happened on its own. The power in the rocks, how they must have ripped through the earth. And it just looked like a landscape painting, stunning landscape. And the whole five hours through Arizona, I kept saying, there must be a God. There's a God. There's oh, definitely yeah. a God. And I think that's when I started searching. But unfortunately, because I didn't have um, the foundation, uh, I searched in a lot of wrong places. I went through New Ageism, unfortunately, occult, you know, a lot of occult things and all the teachings about star seeds and, and all these things where I, I, I believe those people are genuinely seeking. Yeah. But the mistake that we make when we walk through that path is we those those other philosophies tell us that we are the god that if you meditate enough if you understand the law of attraction enough if you do certain things certain rituals or whatever you'll be able to bring into into existence right, yeah, what yeah. you think is you should happen and eventually that also sat very wrong with me because it felt very selfish it felt like I'm the center of the universe, everything's revolving around me. And that's when I started entering um, Christianity more. Like I started leaving the new age more for Christianity. But of course, you can't just go from new age to Catholicism. So I went through the prosperity gospel, right? Still trying to create things. And even though eventually I realized that's also not where the answers are, that um you know, that, that it's not about me, what it did, what that prosperity gospel um, did for me was that it got me really fascinated in Christian theology. And, I, and that fascination made me realize like the more I, I dug, the, the more I learned, I realized, no, the only way to do this is to go Orthodox. Like you have to have a conservative approach to this. And I was ready. I was ready because at that time, of all the publishers that I submitted the little donkey to, the Catholic publisher Ascension Press yeah. uh, responded to me. And they had questions for me. My first interview with them did not go very well. <laughs> um, I, you know, they asked me about the Pope. They asked me about, you know, all these Catholic things. And I was like, ah, I don't practice any of it. And yet they gave me a contract anyway. And I was just so taken by these ladies um, somehow, I don't know what they saw in me at that time, but they, uh, they gave me a contract and I was, um, compelled to, oh, I felt like I owed it to them to look into the faith more. And fortunately there's a gorgeous Catholic church, 10 minutes from yeah, my house. It looks like it was built in the medieval times. I stepped in and that's it. It was over for me. It was one year ago and I, I, I've been attending every Sunday um, and, and I just love it. The more I learn, the more, the more I love the face. Yeah. I, I love how beauty is that thing that first kind of drew you deeper and then draw, you know, draws you deeper still, you see. And I think that's one of those things that really, you know, Christian Catholic apologists, you know, philosophers will talk about in opposition to, uh, atheism, right? We'll look at this, you know, beauty, that's one of those things that, you know, Bishop Barron talks about. Lots of these apologists, this is one of those kind of, not a new area, but, you know, of all the, the areas and avenues to kind of share and spread Christianity, and go, look, there, there must be something out there because look at this, this beauty. I think these days, that's just more and more kind of, you know, a, a live option for people. Like it's the beauty there, you know, I, I, there's there's videos out just recently on YouTube with all kinds of, you know, new, uh, you, you know, people exploring ideas of beauty and where does this where does this come from? Well, hey, maybe this is points toward God, right? And then here's you know here's you taking that kind of apologetic, and and witnessing that here's you as an atheist driving down to California, right, and discovering the seeing this beauty, and really being forced to go well this. My framework doesn't explain this. How does if 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 nothing created this? You know, what what they're doing here? Right? I think that's amazing. That that's really like a you know we you this is an idea that's out there. But here's an actual person who's seen something beautiful and gone. Yeah, 
there's something here, right? That's, that's really fascinating. Oh, it's very fascinating because truth, beauty, and goodness, they are very connected. And uh, yeah. I believe that they are definitely languages of God because beauty alone, what makes something beautiful? There's a whole bunch of laws yeah. that make yeah. a composition beautiful. It's, it's, it's got to be balanced. It's, there's got to be proper juxtaposition and it also has to be functional. If it's dysfunctional, we innately know that there's something off about it. And not only that, true beauty is very subtle, believe yeah. it or not. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't use gimmick. It doesn't try to impress you, yet it does because of its <laughs> just perfection, right? And that's the what I'm noticing. A lot of modern artists, they completely don't get it. That's why they need so much gimmick to to entertain us whereas you compare that to the renaissance yeah to yeah. just you know the a, a cathedral um beautifully made cathedral and that's it you just uh, you you're taken to another dimension because in a way it does have that ability to do it's it's i don't know what it is a a, a collision of laws that just communicates something much deeper to us that i don't think we can fully define even yeah, yeah, and and you and your framework. You said you're a Christian as soon as you got to Arizona because it was just unbelievable. Here's these. You said you know rocks just breaking out of the earth, and how amazing that is, and how that design, that that beautiful you know, composition. How could that just be kind of random chance, right? It, it, it speaks to a creator. Right? It speaks to an intelligence behind that beautiful composition, right? Oh, yeah, especially in Arizona, you really see it because one would expect that if something randomly rips out of the earth, it would look more uh, disorderly. Yeah. Yet in yes, Ar yes. in Arizona, it's not that it's very orderly, but in Arizona, there, there there's this strange thing where there's peace and raw power, like the kind of power. It, it was yes, a form of yes. violence almost that just through these rocks out of the ground but the way that they were placed it was the most peaceful setting and so i just i just it just hit me like it, it, it would have to be a lot more messy <laughs> if, if it was um if it was just by nature you know throw anything on the ground try to throw anything up and see what happens it doesn't come down as beautiful um and yet in arizona it was um just breathtaking it was better than anything you've seen in, in, in the, on a movie screen. Yeah, yeah, that's remarkable. And I love that, you know, that, that kind of a journey. So you, you know, your default wasn't to just become Christian, right? After that, you, you're kind of, you're open up to this beautiful thing you can't quite understand. And like you said, kind of your first instinct was to head back to that kind of new age-ish stuff, right? I have a similar trajectory in my own journey. I was raised nominally Christian, kind of Jesus on like Christmas and Easter kind of thing. And had a, kind of an awakening experience at like a you know a, a band backyard uh, summer barbecue campfire when I was in like you know tenth grade or something, and it was this this new age guy around the fire who was talking to us about his kind of philosophy, and he was a couple of grades older, had long hair, and a leather jacket, kind of cool looking guy, and it was the first time that I was exposed to kind of the ideas of well there's something bigger out there like look at this world we're all connected, and. So my first instinct was, well, this guy is saying things that, that I hadn't thought about. And I then wanted to know, you know, how do I be like him? Well, it turns out he was this new age kind of practitioner guy, right? I think he called himself Wiccan or something at the time. And this was, thanks be to God, the early age of the internet. So when I tried to Google, you know, what do Wiccans believe, how to be a Wiccan, I couldn't find anything because there wasn't very good search engines back then. And I kind of searched for a bit and kind of gave up. And then asked my best friend who was a Christian, hey, what do you believe? Is it kind of like this? And he was kind of like, no, not like that, but here's what I believe. Let's talk about this, right? So I love that. You know, for you, that's a similar kind of experience that, it, you know, your first instinct in seeing this beautiful stuff isn't to, oh, I'm going to go back and be Catholic, like the faith I was raised in, you know, as a kid. It's kind of back to this, or, you know, into this thing that you were kind of wrapped up in before, but then that leads to you know, the back into the church, right? It's, it, it's a gateway. Like, you know, if, you, if you're seeking the truth, you're going to find it even if the path is meandering, right? 
Oh, that's very true. That's going to be one of my future stories, uh, because if we can get children to simply pursue God, to to uh, cultivate a love, I don't want to say curiosity, because curiosity kills the cat. <laughs> um, so I'm not saying I'm not saying don't be uh, curious about certain things, but you, it needs to be balanced. Curiosity, I think, needs to be balanced with um a genuine pursuit of truth. You need to be, you need to love truth enough to know when your curiosity is derailing you. Uh, because that's what happens to a lot of, I think, people who seek um, that, that um, the, they're more fascinated or maybe they're more taken by that dopamine rush of having discovered something new, which is what the pursuit of knowledge can do to yeah, us. Yeah. And then when you compound that with ego, like I just discovered a new philosophy that's going to make me give me powers. I'm going to be able to build the life I want. It's a it's a recipe for I don't want to say disaster, but a long detour. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people in the world, they they do that because also in a way our culture glorifies uh, vice. Uh, so a lot of our spirituality, unfortunately, has been infiltrated by vice instead of virtue. Um, and in Christianity, um. We, uh, we are taught the pursuit and cultivation of virtue, that, you know, contribution is far more important than fame. Um, uh, even if, if, if it makes you poor, you have to follow the path of, of Jesus Christ and do your best to contribute to, to his kingdom. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's, I think, a combination of, of that hunger you know, we all have that, what is it, C.S. Lewis said, that we all have a God-shaped hole in our heart. But when we try to fill that uh, that hole um, in a culture that kind of um, pulls us in all these different directions, we may, it might take us a long time before we find the things that are going to, you know, the thing that is going to put us on the right path. So that, that's why I derailed. Yeah. And I like this, not necessarily curiosity, is that is that pursuit, right? Because... Yeah, it is that we don't necessarily want to be kind of wandering everywhere and trying every every new thing, but you want you want kids, you want Catholics, you want Christians who are spiritually hungry. And I guess for me, it's the idea of being docile, like being willing to pursue kind of God where He takes you, but you know, but but treading in that in that direction. I, I love the idea, and I love that you mentioned too that before that this the, the kind of the new the new age practices that kind of drew you in were so egocentric. We're very much about improving you and giving you these abilities, you know, to, to control your life and shape your destiny and stuff. Let's talk about that for a minute, because I think like you're saying here, this is really in sharp contrast to not what the world's telling us, right? Cause the world's saying, yeah, it's about you. <laughs> you do those things. Right. But the Catholic church stands in pretty stark contrast to that, right? The idea of, it's all about you. You improve yourself. You, you know, shape your own destiny. We're kind of on the opposite end of that spectrum when we're saying, no, you rely on Jesus. Like you'd abandon those things for Christ and, and pursue him and, your, and love your neighbor and give to your neighbor. Can we talk about that kind of that ego kind of centrism of some of those things that you, that, that, you know, that you experienced in your journey? Sure. Yeah. I, I worked in film for 10 years. So, um, you know, the entertainment industry, it's, you know, it's, it attracts people maybe that, that are trying to um, prove their worth, prove their value, um, as opposed to perhaps discover their God-given talent and to use it for the betterment of society. Um, and I was guilty of that too, uh, because, you know, as, as artists, we also have insecurities. We're like kids that need to be uh, validated all the time. And um, that can, you know, if, if, if an artist doesn't grow out of that, it's they create a hell for themselves because they're yeah, essentially yeah. going to be giving the world what it wants, not what it needs. If the world wants more sex, more violence, then the artist is going to give them more sex and more violence. And over time, what is that going to do to the human soul, to, yeah. to the artist and to the world, right? Well, we see it very clearly um, in, in entertainment and in our culture. Um, so I, I was... Uh, a little bit guilty of that as well, wanting to maybe prove myself as an artist and thinking that, um, first of all, not knowing myself, I thought I wanted to be a filmmaker, a director, um, re not, not really fully realizing that 
I can be a world builder um, while being a story, uh, a writer and an illustrator, right? So maybe I didn't understand myself um, well enough, uh, or maybe it was also at the time, you know, it was before the, the age of the internet, the, the, the filmmaker had some sort of uh, big prestige um, to be a director or something. So that probably you know, influenced me to walk that down that path as well. And I still love film. I still want to return to film, but more now on my terms, um, uh, w- with my IP now, uh, with, with, you know, the little donkey and other stories that I want to create for children, uh, whether that's going to happen or not, it almost doesn't matter to me because now um, it, I, I, I've, I've gotten to a point where I, I, I'm not creating things to please people or to perhaps prove that I'm good at something. I no longer feel that need. Um, although I, in, in many ways, I feel like I'm an even better creator now because there's someone else I want to please. Yeah. <laughs> um, he lives upstairs <laughs> up in the heavens. Um, so that's, that's what I'm motivated now to create something that is going to be uh, guided by and pleasing to um, our Heavenly Father. I don't know if it will please Him, but I feel like um, creating for Him and for a better kingdom, that's that's the most we can do. That's the best we can yeah, do. Yeah. And when we create for the world, that's when we fall into a trap because then the world inspires us instead of the Holy Spirit inspiring us. Um, so... Yeah, I think for me it was mainly artistic, wanting to prove myself as an artist, and um, and I would say it was predominantly that. Yeah, it was probably insecurities manifesting in themselves as as that wanting to accomplish uh, big things in an area that I wasn't supposed to work in. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And I wonder too about the idea of the kind of the occult nature of some new of new age stuff i don't know if you have a particular insight maybe you'll say I, I don't know this is out of my realm of expertise i wouldn't think that many are experts on this that it would come on this show maybe you're the best one we'll get but i'm wondering about the idea of the the place of that right because there is there is a sense and i i read this more and more in in the places that i occupy on the internet that not necessarily the demonic like the actual actual demons, right? But one of these things that the enemy is using to draw us away from God are these things. Are things as mundane as getting into comment wars on YouTube, right? Or things that draw us out of our practice of the Christian faith in, into these kind of new age elements. Did you, do you have a sense, did it, did it feel looking back or feel looking back at some of those things that you or learning or thinking about in the, kind of the new age movement and that part of your journey was nefarious, was, was kind of more than just like mundane or not a great thing, but really kind of kind of out to get you. Does that make sense? I mean, that sounds too scary yeah. and like woo-woo, no. I don't know, but. It, uh, no, no, it's, you're onto something because um, I didn't realize it until after. Um, I think the, the biggest lesson I learned from this journey is that, the devil comes to you as everything you ever wanted. He doesn't yeah, come yeah, to you in a repulsive yeah. way. You don't know you're being sucked into something. Um, you, you're being rewarded um, for certain behaviors, uh, for certain contributions. Um, and it, it does take a very aware person, aware in, in who they really serve. Because if you serve God, there are certain things you should not create. There are certain things you should not speak, you should not watch, you should not consume. Um, so having that awareness um, allows you to notice those sneaky ways, yeah. those sneaky little rewards or sneaky little temptations that don't even look like temptations. They might appear as opportunities. And all of a sudden you think you've hit the jackpot. Um, you really need to, people need to learn how to say no. Do not compromise your morals, your values. There's, a, there's not only a personal price, there's a cultural, social, a civilizational price. You know, we, we compare today's culture to 100 years ago. Yeah. The way the buildings work, the architecture, the way people dressed, um, a lot of people might disagree, but it's it's very clear that there's a cultural 
decline. Yeah. It's clear to me. You don't go from the Renaissance and Beethoven to today, you know, <laughs> without there being some sort yeah. of decline. Um, so I definitely think there are nefarious forces at play, but people don't recognize them as nefarious. Yeah. Um, but I can tell you, they became very clear to me uh, when I when I made the commitment to to um, to work for for our Heavenly Father. And when I um, started working on this book, The Little Donkey, uh, even though it's just a little children's book, you would think, you know, it, it, I would have peace creating it. Not so. Um, my kitchen flooded. Uh, just my neighbor's uh, pipe just fell off. Her kitchen pipe <laughs> fell off just like that and flooded my kitchen for wow. a close to probably 13 hours. Oh and, you know, I made like a little, uh, like I took two dishwashing racks and I put one up, like up on the cupboard, one underneath. I created like a waterfall. I'm like, oh. not today, Satan. I'm going to, and I kept working on my, <laughs> on my book and my neighbor, my, my landlord came and fixed it like the next day. But also my water, like not my water, my, um, my toilet seal broke and it smelled like sewage in my, um, in my, uh, in my bathroom yeah. and I got sick, just terribly, terribly sick about three or four times while working on this book to the point where I couldn't get out of bed. Yeah. And it was a problem because I have a deadline, you know? Uh, and so while this was happening, I was like, Oh wow, this, this has never happened before. Like how in a span of, you know, one little book, so many things, unpleasant things like, trying to it felt like something was trying to stumble me um so that was my first time experiencing something like that but I gotta tell you even though it was happening like I I didn't feel any fear because I I fortunately came to understand what was happening and immediately turned to prayer and endured <laughs> and here we are <laughs> that's amazing yeah I, I I don't remember where this idea came from some kind of uh, misquoted quote that I heard along the way somewhere, but the, yeah, the idea that, yeah, if you're experiencing those, those kind of trials, hey, it's a good indication you're on the right pathway, right? That Satan's trying to hold you back. All these things are happening. It's a good indication that you're going in the right direction because what you're creating there is something that, uh, that's going to benefit the world, right? It's going to drive people closer to God and the enemy doesn't really you know, want that. So yeah, I think that's, I think that's brilliant and really interesting that those are the kind of trials that, you began to experience, even as you say, writing, you know, writing this children's book. That's, that's really fascinating. I'm curious, take a bit of a, a, a detour to ask you how one gets into the prosperity gospel Christianity. Because this is a pretty interesting area of Christianity. You know, looking from the outside in, I think many of us would go, okay, that, how, like, that's clearly not, it's, fancy cars and, and piles of money. I'm curious to know how you got into that and I guess got out of that and what that kind of experience is like because it seems like, again, more of that kind of ego-centered kind of way of presenting the faith, right? Where here, you do this and you'll get this. You'll, you'll do this, you'll get kind of this. God wants to bless you with all these these different things, right? I think I think of that in contrast to you writing this book and sick in bed and the pipes bursting. I... I I can kind of see a clear path, which one I think is, is seems more like, yeah, you're on the right, the right path. So I encourage you in, in that for sure. But how do you get in and get out of that kind of a, a version of Christianity? That's a really good question because uh, I didn't think of it until you asked that question. Uh, there, there seems to be a very subtle bridge between uh, the New Age manifestation movement and Christianity or um, um, prosperity gospel, sure, yeah, yeah. and that's this uh, this this niche on uh, on YouTube. It's a very big niche, uh, and and it's kind of these motivational videos. And you know, you can do it when you're depressed. Keep going. You can win. You know, <laughs> things like that. And I guess I needed it, but uh, they end up using these videos. End up using. Um, quotes by preachers, pastors, and priests okay, yeah, that are very yeah, yeah. inspirational, but those quotes or those sermons are taken out of context and they're put in these motivational videos quite often, not for the purpose that the pastor intended. Um, 
And so it, when it's edited with powerful music, uh, you feel like you're on fire. You're ready to go. It's, they're very well done. Um, and in a way, maybe they're necessary. Maybe they're exactly what people need to segue out um, of one thing and into another. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, but for me, and I can see how people get trapped in the prosperity gospel. Um, and, and they kind of treat God like a, like a Santa Claus. Yeah. Um, for me, it really was. I was more um, taken by the knowledge. I've always been a pursuer of knowledge. Yes, that had more yeah. value to me than wealth, than all these other, other things. So learning about Christianity, um, discovering people like C.S. Lewis, um, uh, discovering, um, uh, was it Bishop Fulton? He's yeah, no longer yeah, alive. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he was just, some of his sermons were wonderful. And that, I think that fed me so much more than anything else um, and wanting to to learn more and eventually coming to understand what Jesus meant when he said, love God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your mind. And I found myself there. <laughs> I found myself there. Um, slowly that love and, and pursuit of God started to take over everything where, you know, Santa Claus was incomplete. I didn't want him. <laughs> I wanted our father. I wanted father. When Jesus um, referred to God as his father, that's what I wanted to understand. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. I mean, there's, there's something to be said for somebody who is baptized and raised as a Catholic. They, there are graces, you know, at that baptism that no matter how, far you go from the, the root of the church, those those graces are still going to follow you and keep drawing you back mm-hmm. in, right? I, lots of listeners and, and viewers on, on this show are people who have, you know, loved ones, whether it be, you know, children or, or, uh, or relatives or friends who have strayed from the faith. And the question that, that I get lots of times, and I've had guests on the show talking to this exact topic before too, is, well, how do I bring them back? How do I bring them back to the, the, the practice of, of the faith, right? And the answer really is, well, that, that baptized person's carrying that grace with them, right? And you, you, know, you got to pray for them, but you know, God is drawing them back because they have that, that seal as a Catholic, somebody who was raised Catholic. Whether it was you know, really intentionally practiced or not, they, they had that, that sacrament, and that did something to them. Do you feel like, I know you mentioned that your parents tried, you said, I think you said your dad was kind of a, a functional atheist almost, but the, your mom tried and they, they took you, they took you and they tried, you know, and you're, you're, you're Polish. So I think by default, right? Like <laughs> that, that, that puts you somewhere on, on the spectrum, right? Do you feel like there was that thing that like, now you're looking back, you go, yeah, you know what? There was that thing that no matter how far I strayed, kind of, was was pulling me back in no matter no matter what I did it was it was gonna keep on tugging is that that makes sense yeah yes um I I think baptism was one uh you mentioned it and now that I I've I've witnessed I think three baptisms in my church now and there is such a power and joy in the congregation when a little baby gets baptized. So I think that has a power that stays with the child. Um, But also I have to say, I think it was my mother's prayers and not just my mother's prayers. Um, A lot of people prayed for me that I didn't know until I started being overtly Christian. I started posting Christian content. And one of my, she's not even like, she lives in Australia or more like acquaintances. Uh, When she saw me post like a Christian post uh, a a month ago, she's like, are you Christian now? We haven't spoken (laughs) like a decade. I'm like, yes, I so am. I have a book coming out, right? And she's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I've been praying for you. So this lady's been praying for me. We've never spoken on the phone. Yeah. We've only spoken over email. Um, we she, she was going to hire me to do a drawing for her, and it never worked out. Um, but, you know, I'm hearing this now, that people's yeah. parents were yeah. praying for yeah. me. And so it must have been, it, it, I think it was that. So now now I'm returning the favor, and I'm praying for my brother. <laughs> He's an atheist. So yeah. I'm like, oh, no, you just yeah. wait. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I love the power of prayer. I mean, I can think of some amazing stories, one in particular of this 
you know, there was this evangelical seminary that all of these evangelical pastors were, were becoming Catholic after they finished the seminary. Well, it turns out that seminary used to be a convent for nuns, you know, like 50 years prior before the evangelical church kind of bought it and took it over. And the, and the charism of those nuns were to, were to pray for, uh, you know, pray for converts, pray for conversions to the Catholic faith. And so these nuns for like you know, hundreds of years had occupied the space and just prayed all day long, right? And of course, when that was taken over and these evangelical Christians were being trained there, they all were starting to become Catholic and no, and no one <laughs> could figure out why, but here it was. This was the, the historical like root of this, which I think is, is amazing. And the idea that anywhere those people are, you know, are, were praying for you all over the all of the world, you don't, don't even know necessarily each of those people, right? But as you learn more and more, you go, yeah, well, that that makes sense, right? I th- I think of my own Polish grandparents came to Canada during the war, and they left, the, you know, they were, of course, very Catholic. They left the Catholic faith because there was a really intense evangelization project by Jehovah's Witnesses at that time, targeting, oh. targeting uh, immigrants from Europe in, in the war. And so here are these, you know, Polish speaking immigrants, Catholic immigrants, didn't, didn't know kind of anybody, right? And this community was kind of targeting them and drawing them out of the Catholic faith. And so I only ever knew my, my great grandparents as Jehovah's Witnesses. And then my grandma also, my, and my, and my grandpa on that side. And it wasn't until I was older and I found a rosary and little Bible in my mom's kind of bureau uh, as a teenager. And I said, mom, what's, like, what's this? Who, who's, who's is this? First of all, what is a rosary? I didn't know what time what it even was. But who's is this? It was, oh, this was you know, my, my grandma's. You know, she was Catholic, and, he, and here's what happened. And I think back to the prayers of, you know, first of all, that I pray for them, that, that they kind of, you know, turn from that, and their, 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 their seeking of God got them to the place it needed to be, right? Despite leaving the Catholic faith and you know, kind of being converted into this new religious movement kind of thing. But I think of, you know, the power of, of their prayers through time and space. You know, I can pray for them in time and space and hope that that is effective. And, you know, God uses those prayers, but they can pray for me too, right? And I think how cool is it that here, you know, because my wife and I are both Catholic converts to the faith. Here we are coming back into a faith that, you know, my great-grandparents kind of were, were drawn out of, you know, all those years later. I think it's a beautiful kind of symmetry in there in how prayer works, you know, through time and space like that. I think it's, I think it's pretty cool. Maybe there's a story in there. <laughs> I don't know. The, it is, it, there is something in it uh, because I think a few days ago, um, someone from my village, I lived in a village in yeah. Poland when I was little, like a real village. Uh, and someone from there messaged me and she told me a little bit, just like one sentence about my um, my great grandparents. And she said that they were very, very faithful, very faithful yeah. Catholics. Yeah. Um, so, so, and my grandmother, my, my father's mother, even though he was an atheist, she prayed her rosary every night. Um, so, there's something in prayer. Um, I, I don't know what it is, but I think righteous prayer, righteous prayer, that, that's the key because praying for the material things, that's not sure. Yeah. I, I don't think that I, I don't think God connects with that. Um, but a true righteous prayer for people's salvation, one's own salvation to produce good fruit for the world. Those prayers I find not only get answered quite quickly, um, but they they re- they have a lasting effect. I lo- I love that. You talk about how beauty kind of drew you back in this this medieval, uh, beautiful medieval kind of you know you said looks like at Middle Ages this church that you began going to and how beautiful that was and how that drew you in. There is this beauty in you know the the liturgy done well and the Catholic Mass done well in a beautiful building. That I said before, I think is really what's going to more and more capture people and draw them more into the faith. As the rest of the world is kind of one big dopamine hit, right? Just like here's the next video, <laughs> scrolling on TikTok kind of thing, right? Is that real beauty that I think is going to begin to hopefully kind of draw people into something that's going to look more and more different than everything else that's out there? I think. Do you think? Do you think there's like? Do, I, I guess. Do you think? 
that makes sense that there's, especially I guess from an artistic, kind of, you have a film background, you're an illustrator, you're an author. It seems to me that this is what's a, a huge thing the church has as advantage is, is beauty in a world that's kind of turned away from that. Does that make sense? 100% I agree. Uh, yes. Uh, when you look at the artists that the church supported over the years, when you just look at the Vatican and the artworks there, um, not only is it beauty, but it's the kind of beauty that we discussed earlier. It's the kind of beauty with no gimmick. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing there, but human skill and divine inspiration. There's no pyrotechnics, there's no light show, there's no auto-tune, there's no uh, f- factory or AI printer that's going to polish the sculpture. It's, it's just people that were um, devoted to, to not only understanding God, but creating things that are going to help other people understand yeah. God. Um, and and what, why wouldn't, you know... Um, God use beauty. I mean, beauty is, is everywhere in, in, in his, uh, in his creation. Um, and like I said, it's not something that I can define even, but it seems to be, uh, the more beautiful something is, the better it applies God's law and order. That's what I'm starting to find. Um, the more beautiful something is, the less it has to scream. The more it has to scream for your attention, the less beautiful it is. And quite often it actually packages something quite mediocre and sometimes even ugly um, in order to distract you from the fact that it's ugly and mediocre. Um, So it needs a nice little wrap. Uh, You won't find that with, um, with, I think, Catholic and Christian art if it's done. For, for, you know, if it's yeah. done by people who know what they're doing, because I've, I've seen a church or two <laughs> yes, yeah, where, yes. you know, it's like, who built this and how dare you? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, tr- you know, and truth too, right? Like story, like you have, you have written a very, a, a true story that resonates. Like there, there's, there's power in that, right? Because it's speaking from a place of truth and goodness of God, right? And there's so much out there these days. Never mind the the 30 second TikTok videos that people are scrolling through, right? Or Instagram reels that are just kind of scrolled through and can just can kind of consumed like little snacks, right? Even the even the other kind of stories, even longer form stories and, and miniseries and TV shows and films, there's a lot out there that is just not true anymore. Right? It, it kind of lacks that depth that truth, that goodness. So when something comes along that has those things, I feel like too, that's going to seem so different for people who are used to consuming things that are, like you say, pyrotechnics and explosions, right? Or, or you know, a, a really kind of raunchy love story or something, or just very violent. Like there's, there's power in the truth and beauty and goodness in story, right? In, this, in, in a world that's kind of lost that, I think. Oh, I, I completely agree. And, and people have become too desensitized uh, to beauty even. So I, I hope that true beauty would still be able to captivate a lot of people. But I, I do worry a little bit that, yeah, that yeah, we've gotten yeah. to a point where a lot of people are... I, I know I was there. Yeah, I was there where I would see beautiful things. And maybe I, I took them for granted because they were part of our culture. Uh, and I wasn't able to appreciate it. Um, and I guess younger people are more vulnerable to that, which the dark side knows. And that's why everything yeah. is catered towards young people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but hopefully uh, more Christian artists are going to stop selling out. Yeah. Stop selling your talent to the other side. Stay in your stay in your kingdom. You know, create... From that, you, you, you're going to probably end up making less money. Hopefully not. But for the, the first of us will, um, you're going to lose opportunities. But what you're going to do is you're going to contribute to, um, to a network and a culture that's going to grow. And eventually, uh, there's going to be more of us. And 
we will no longer feel the pressure to compromise and we will be able to build companies, uh, our own publishing houses, our own agencies, things like that. And we will be able to do what they did in the Renaissance, create sublime art to take the time if you need to, to not shill out art after art after art because you have to, because it's time on Instagram, you know, Uh, good art takes time. Um, and they understood that back then. Uh, so I, I think it really, you know, the, the first step towards God is going to happen in the human heart. Um, it is a sacrifice. That's the, ni- that's the nature of this life. You have free will. You can have everything. But if you want the truth, you are going to have to sacrifice some things for that. Um, and I recommend that we do make those sacrifices uh, we have to sacrifice in order to say no to the things that are not good, um, and if more of us do that, then um, we're gonna ha- we're gonna actually create more opportunities. And and as culture changes, as we create more art, more depth in art, um, kids are gonna, the younger generations are going to have more of a comparison and they're yeah, going to lose their yeah. desensitization, right? So we're going to get to a point where young people are going to choose beauty over mindless entertainment, beauty over distraction, depth over distraction, you know? So once we get there, um, then I think it's going to be, we're going to have a nice, hopefully golden age coming coming around. But it's, it starts now. It starts with, with us today, Um understanding that what the fruit we create today is going to affect the culture tomorrow. Yeah. I think that that's, that's very well said. That's fantastic. Cause of course, of course, first of all, you know, stories like yours, like your, your journey, so important to share for others to encourage them on that journey. I love that. And I love that you are, are kind of a, you know, trailblazing in that respect. You know, thank you for being brave like that and, and taking that path. And then, yeah, you know, when you're, Especially creating media, you know, you know, for kids, that does have that lasting, beautiful effect. You know, you're writing stories that kids will hopefully grow up hearing and reading and treasuring and internalizing. And then, like you say, as they encounter other things, they're going to hopefully be choosing those beautiful things instead of the other things you know that are out there. I'm hearing more and more of, of my wife's cousins who are a bit younger than we are, you know, 10 years or so younger than we are, who are ditching their smartphones. They're going, you know what? We are the generation that was kind of raised on the smartphone, those guys. And they're getting to a point where they're getting into their early 20s and going, you know what? I don't want this anymore. I know what this is doing to me, what this has done to me. I want beauty. I don't want this thing anymore, right? But they were, they were raised on those good stories. They were raised on identifying truth and beauty when they come into their own when they when they kind of begin to look around and go you know what, what do i want for my life in my early 20s they say you know what i don't want this thing right they've learned enough they know enough of what truth and beauty really is to ditch those things that are holding them back right you can't get a hold of them because they don't have they don't text they don't, they email once in a while but it's you know they're, they're forging that path because they've been exposed to that kind of stuff and they know what's right and wrong what's healthy not healthy what's good and beautiful, and true, and what's not. So I, I love that, you know, what you're doing now with this is kind of uh, opening up the heart to kids, of families, right? Arming them with that truth, and beauty, and goodness to see, and, and recognize that as, as they grow up. I think that's, that's awesome, and I think you articulate that very well, and I love that that is so encouraging for other artists, writers, you know, those working in the creative arts as Christians, as Catholics to do that. I, I, I love that. That's very encouraging. <laughs> well, we've been, you know, we've been, I don't want to say hiding, but we've been discouraged for the last, I would say, two decades. And I would say, honestly, the last 100 years, what happened in the last century? Yeah, yeah. You know, we went from creating the the, um, the Sistine Chapel and, and the, the Pieta uh, to, to um, not, not being able to find our reigns in the 20th century. Because, you know, we, we were um, Christian art, and I would, not just Christian art, but I would say every religious art, but, but we're Christians, so I'll focus on Christian. Christians are very good at creating traditional art. They're excellent at it. Um, but 
they just something happened where once the radio and TV emerged, we just kind of didn't know what to do with ourselves. And the truth is, it's still there. Yeah. This, the ability to tell stories, the, the God-given talents are still there. Um, but we, we need to be brave enough to, um, to, I'm not saying proselytize our faith to, you know, but to live it, yeah. to live it. Um, and, and to, um, to live it in a way where the fruit shows, right? So, so to, like, again, to not compromise. Um, and yeah, if, if more of us do that, and I think more of us will be doing that because like, you know, like, like you mentioned your friends, uh, I think people have seen the fruit. They've seen the fruit of uh, life without the foundations of truth, beauty, yeah, and goodness, yeah, yeah. And, and God and Christ at the center. Uh, a, a, a lot of people are not impressed. So now is the time, I think, to create content, particularly for children, because the gulf right now is, or the world is so polarized right now that there's a big chance a lot of kids are going to derail. Yeah. irreversibly yeah. because it's so polarized and we have an opportunity to prevent that from happening um, because if we create content for children that is going to <sighs> awaken that pursuit of God yeah, then eventually it's going to turn to faith it's going to turn to love and even if this child as an adult comes across difficult times, difficult decisions, compromises, that child will have a much better chance of making the right decision. Sometimes the more difficult decision, but the right decision. Uh, the world is not going to help them make that decision. The world is going to tell them, go follow the money, go follow the fame, be a social media influencer without really knowing what your skills and talents are, right? We need to tell them the other thing. We need to tell them that there's a God-given purpose. They they need to connect with that. And to connect with that, we, we do it through prayer. Pray, reflect, ask for guidance. It will be given to you. And walking that path for a lifetime is how I think we're going to equip children to, to navigate through a world that's um, that can go in one or two directions right now. That's very well said. And you are helping us to do that. Uh, tell us, okay, about the little donkey and God's big plan. It, it's fantastic. I love it. We love it here at my house. All my kids love it. Uh, and there's a wide spectrum of ages here who are, who are, enjoy, <laughs> who are enjoying it. Uh, tell, tell us about the genesis of this and then kind of the, me a bit about like the, what's going on here. Because it's, it's fantastic. It's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that all your children are enjoying it. I, if if they ever draw pictures, I want to I want to see pictures that if they're oh, ever inspired care. to draw a picture of the little donkey. Be careful. Um, and I No, no, no. No, I welcome. I welcome them. Um and also I hope that uh it started a lot of uh, wonderful conversations in the house yes. between you and your yes, children about absolutely. their purpose. Um but yes, about um the little donkey. So it's about a little donkey who has <laughs> big dreams, what well, big dreams, but God has even bigger plans for him. So he has to be patient. Uh, at first, he's not allowed to do much because he's tied to a fence. But through the encouragement of a little girl who firmly believes that God has a very special purpose for him, he prays, he prepares for his purpose without knowing what it is. And boy, did God prepare a purpose for him. I think the parents can figure out what it is. <laughs> it's got something to do with Palm Sunday. Um, but for the children, they're basically going to learn um, the events of Palm Sunday uh, through the eyes of a little donkey. And they're going to learn how even a seemingly, seemingly small contribution to our God can, can end up being part of something bigger than the little donkey or than any of us could have ever imagined. And I truly believe that. Can I tell you that I cried at the ending of the book? Yes, you can. Tell me. <laughs> it was great. And you know, it, it is such an important lesson. I think the sign of a good 
of a good book for kids also teaches adults a lesson too, right? I think that's a that's a signal for a very good kind of timeless book. And it is such an important lesson that, that you don't know what your purpose is, that what, what plan God has for you. It's, it's sometimes revealed in bits and pieces. Like, you know, we... We recently moved after 20 years in one town, moved to a new town, quit quit our jobs. We sold our house, had nothing, you know, nothing planned. Kind of just, just relied on God to, to show us the way, right? Like the little donkey. And everything kind of fell into place and it was amazing and miraculous. And it's a great story to tell. And I think it really just shows God's goodness to those who kind of abandoned themselves to, you know, I don't know what the plan is, God, but I'll do it. But that's kind of the... The book hit home, you know, for us in that sense, right? That yeah, you don't know, little donkey, what your what God's planned for you, and then well, look how amazing it is. You're the immortal donkey, like in the story now, right? So that is a timeless story for all of us, and I think one of the most important things to learn that you don't need to have it all or shouldn't have it all figured out. You got to just rely on I'm I'm doing my thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna do life and. God will help me reveal that purpose. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm going to pray. I'm going to do these things, and and trust God, right? And then and then there it is. You're you're a donkey that's lived on in Scripture for thousands of years, right? Yeah, it's exactly that. It's it's you know. I, I would also add humility. That was a lesson. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're all learning humility all the time, but you know, we hear it when we grow up, but. Um, it's a different thing to understand what it, you know, what humility does. And it, it puts you in a state of surrender. Yeah. Um, the little yeah. donkey, you know, at one point wanted to be a horse. <laughs> um, and that wouldn't, right. That wouldn't have turned out well. He's yeah. not a horse. He's yeah. not supposed to be a horse. Um, the fact that he was a little donkey and he became the best donkey that he could humbly just wanting to be useful. Um, God found the most perfect purpose for him. So if if things go well with this book, there might be part two where the little donkey's (laughs) going to witness, you know, the, the events after the three very dark days. I hope, I hope it comes to that book because, um, Children, I would love the opportunity to tell children that walking the purpose that God has prepared for you, it's not going to be easy. There will be times where you will feel like a failure and the landscape will look abysmal. But, but that faith, that prayer, God resurrects. He resurrects and he already has things ahead the way this whole thing is designed, it's cyclical. Things have to die in order to fertilize the earth and new things grow, right? So that trust, that humility, it, it cultivates a faith that we feel blind, yet we know. We know we're not blind because there's another pair of eyes that can see for us. Um, so I... I I won't be able to discuss that with children in this book, uh, but hopefully in the next book, because that's um, that's a very important lesson that I hope parents also kind of pass on to the children that, you know, the little donkey's going to have a little bit of a hard time later, but it'll be okay. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> well, we'll wait with bated breath for, for another installment in, the, in this book because it's fantastic. And thank you so much. And thank you for joining me today uh, on this show. It's been awesome talking to you, kind of unpacking your story, digging into stuff. There's fantastic insights in here. So really appreciate your time. I'll put links to all these things, you know, your book in the show notes for uh, people to find and to grab their copy. Is there anyone else you want to point them towards to find and follow things that, that you're doing? Where should they go to find more, uh, you know, more of your stuff? Uh, you, uh, I will point them first to Ascension's website. Uh, they can get the little donkey at Ascension Press. 
dot com slash little donkey. <laughs> if I got that wrong, yeah. please just put it in, the, put the, in the, right, the description. Yeah. I'll put the right link for you. Either way. Thank you. <laughs> and my website is izzypix.com. And that's where they can learn about um, me, about my illustration work. The Little Donkey is my author's debut. So hopefully it's the first of many to come. <laughs> but um, I have a long history of illustrating. So they'll be able to see it all on my website. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, Isabella, I want to say God bless you, the work you're doing for the church, and, and thank you so much for being here. This has been great. Thank you, Keith, and God bless you too, and your family. Thanks. Well, thank you once again for listening to this episode of the Cordial Catholic Podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed that conversation. Lots of fun. I, I think it really kind of cool perspective on a whole lot of things, on the on the film industry, on arts, on historic things. Like, you know, yeah, yeah why in the last hundred years have we not produced these beautiful and, and true and good good things? What's, what's going on? These are fantastic questions. Awesome conversation. Hopefully you enjoyed that. I enjoyed having that. Let me know what you thought. Let me know what you think of this show and questions you might have. Feedback you might have can all come to cordialcatholic at gmail.com. That's our email address. The cordialcatholic.com is our website for show notes, for links, different kinds of things, my blog, and all that kind of stuff. We are on TikTok, on Instagram, and on Twitter at Cordial Catholic. Please find and follow us there. And Facebook, we are The Cordial Catholic. If you want to watch what you're listening to, please uh, head over to our, our thriving, our growing YouTube channel, youtube.com slash thecordialcatholic. And hey, if you aren't already subscribed to our channel, please consider just hey, pressing pause and going over there and, and joining the community that's subscribed to our YouTube channel. That tells the algorithm that more and more people want to hear and see these things, and that pushes it out to more and more viewers. Conversations like these, like this one, that I think are so important for people to see, it's growing the channel. It's fantastic. And thank you for your support, guys. If you want to help to financially support this show, uh, those links are in the show notes as well for PayPal and for Patreon. Uh, and thank you for everyone for listening and those already supporting the show. Thanks, guys. I'm losing my voice, as you can tell, so I'll wrap it up here. Please pray for me and my voice. Know that I'm praying for you too. Thanks, guys. Take care and God bless. This show is brought to you in a special way by our co-producer patrons over at patreon.com slash cordialcathy. A special thanks to Ellie and Tom, Kelvin and Susan, Stephen, Suzanne and Victor, Phil, Noah, Nicole, Michelle, Jordan, John, James, Gina, and Aram for your special support at the co-producer tier and making this thing possible. You guys are fantastic. God bless and thanks for your support.